Eventually Super Train episode 111. Hello everyone, I'm Dan, I'm your host. Welcome to Eventually Super Train, a short-lived TV show podcast. We cover short-lived TV shows that never got enough love. Eventually we will cover Super Train. We go three shows at a time. Consider it three mini-podcasts under the umbrella of Eventually Super Train. And this is Probecast, talking about search with my friend Mitchell Hadley. Ape Chat with my friend Amy the Conqueror. And the Kolchak Minute. No, no, it's more than that. It's the Kolchak Half Hour with Tim S. Turner and myself. So, in this episode, where are we? 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 Episode uh, 12 of Search, about halfway through Search. Episode 9 of uh, Apes, about, about two, two-thirds of the way through Apes. About two-thirds of the way through Apes. And episode 3 of Kolchak. Uh, which is right at the beginning, more or less, of Kolchak. So, um, yeah, I hope you all have a, have a good time listening. And we're, we're going to start off with we'll do Search, Apes, and Kolchak. So let us dive right in with the little theme from Search. Search, episode 12, Let Us Pray. Directed by Russ Mayberry, written by Don Bellick, January 3rd, 1973. Uh, this one features uh, Tony Francioso as Bianco. And he is put on the track of a, uh, a wealthy uh, woman and her strange boyfriend. And, and Bianco had... Um, I, forget, I forget exactly why he's going after her. But he... he they're, they're, He's, he's sent to like find her and something's going on with her uh, boyfriend who owns his own island and who is kind of crazy and uh, Bianco finds her and ends up uh, unconscious on this guy's island discovering that this was kind of all a sort of a setup and she has been scorned by Bianco and is not happy and this guy wants to experiment on a probe agent with his technology so they basically go into um they they surgically go into the implant in bianco's ear and change the frequency on it so the gang back at, at probe control can't can't hear but danzig and all those other evil people can hear here and it basically becomes a um most dangerous game kind of thing they're at the center of the island and bianco has to get off the island before bombs planted around the islands are all activated and before danzig's uh um henchman who's a, who's apparently a great marksman kills him so it's about Bianco trying to stay alive as this guy is now in control of his like earpiece and everything could send like sonic burst through it to knock Bianco crazy, and it's uh, yeah it's basically his most dangerous game with Bianco in a lot of trouble because he scorned 
Mr. Bradford's first wife from Eight Is Enough, but we'll talk about that. And that, yeah, that is that that is a, that is a basic plot line of this one. And let me play a little blast of music. Mitchell and I are on the other side. Let us pray, and you know how that's spelled, because this ain't this ain't uh, Sunday morning religious programming. This is Saturday night kick ass at, oh, I don't know when when did this air I don't know what when this aired exactly but this is action stuff so this is let us pray and you know how it's spelled and I'm here with someone I like to call Mr. H and he doesn't like to be known by any other name how are you Mr. H I am doing well how are you Dan Mr. I'm doing, D <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. D um uh I'm doing I'm doing I'm doing good I'm a I this is a, this is an interesting episode, I think, um, uh, and uh, that's all I'm going to say. Bye bye. <laughs> no, no, Mitchell. Uh, uh, well, oh my gosh, I said his name, Mr. Hat. Oh, Mr. Yeah. H. Oh. Mr. Mr. Hui. Mr. Um, Mr. Great. Sandoval. I'm have to talk to yes. witness protection again. <laughs> oh, I, again. You did that at the end of Bourbon Street Beat chat. You had to go into. Oh boy. Uh, so what? Um, uh, what did you think of Let Us Pray? Well, for uh, viewers or the viewers familiar with uh, Search or for people who are listening to the podcast, you might remember that on our last episode, we'd had a situation where, where Lockwood, Hugh O'Brien's character, had temporarily been rendered deaf. And I had mentioned that it was an interesting concept to introduce a probe agent who was unable to talk to probe control. Well, we have that in this uh, episode as well, only this time it's most of the episode where uh, where Nick Bianco is is out of touch with with the home base, and uh, they're not able to help him out. He's really left on his own, and it gives you an idea of how resourceful he is as a character how um quick thinking he is how much confidence he's got in himself but um also it makes you appreciate just how much assistance they do get from uh from control it was it, it was it very interesting and you know for whatever <clears throat> for whatever it's worth they the, the bad guys in this and we've got some some wonderfully evil people in this yes, yes. um yeah, disable his um means of com- communication with probe control and they replace it with one of their own and so we have cam and the crew desperately trying to get a hold of him and I don't know how long this episode is supposed to take in real time. Mm, yeah. I know we're, we're, we're going all over the place here without even getting into a linear discussion of the plot, but you've already mm-hmm. described the plot. Yes. Um, yes. I don't know how what the expired time is in this, but every time we go back to control, <clears throat> Cam is still frustrated. Everybody's still <laughs> frantically working, and they haven't gotten anywhere. And yes. I can... I can only imagine that that Cam would have torn out half of his hair by now <laughs> because he's trying everything and they they they've gone through the satellite they've gone through all these various types of uh troubleshooting to determine that the problem does not lie with them 
there, it's not that the signal is is uh, the instability of the signal. It's not that their equipment isn't working. Everything is fine, and that has to introduce one of their worst fears, which is it's something over which they have no control. Yes, mm. and that's a re- it's a really good use of it in here because it's um, you know. Uh, He's in the he's in the jungle, the hunted, and uh, it would it would really be very simple if they could just help him out, but they can't, and that's where the suspense comes from. And I think that's a pretty good, pretty good hook to put on this episode. Yeah, we're uh, we're halfway into the series now, about halfway into the series, and it's it's nice to have an episode where a um, a probe agent is basically thrown into the most dangerous game. And without um, his his ability to uh, to to get in touch with the gang back at the uh, back in the big red room, mm-hmm. and I, I I do like the th- <laughs> like he said that like like you know Bianco goes to I don't know like he goes to I forget where he goes he goes to some other country, and then he winds up on this island, and then he's operated on. And that, and all these things happen, but every time they cut back to the gang, they're all like doing the, they're all like, it's like just one minute later for them. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I was, <laughs> was trying to say. You said it much more the, succinctly, the, but. The, you, yeah, you, you don't really know if it's like, what, was there a time where they all just were like, they went away for like eight hours? That's, no. I mean, there must be quarters. I would bet there are quarters in, in there, mm-hmm. right? I mean, because that's what, like, mm-hmm. way back in the day when Madeline and I discussed Cobra, the thing about Cobra was that Cobra sort of works like Search, but not, not quite as much fun. But, but the thing with Cobra is that the main employees had apartments in the building. So, so they, they could just retire for a while and then come right back to work. So I would guess all this, these people, Cameron's probably got a super cool ass suite up on oh, the yeah. penthouse. Oh yeah. Where he's, he, he, he's hanging out with all his ladies. <laughs> and, and somebody probably turned, diamonds. Yeah. turned to him at one point and said, well, Mr. Mr. Cameron, why don't we just call it a day and uh, come back tomorrow morning and see if things are working better? Yeah. And, and, and he said, no, 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 we, we, I, I, no, no, no. We've, we've just done 14 hours. We're gonna do another fourteen mm-hmm. until this is solved. I mean, I like I like the thought of it being almost like a cop kind of thing, where you know you think like you know when did you know when did Sergeant Friday sleep? You know, and but that's the thing with Dragnet is you do get in some of the episodes of Dragnet where the things go on and on and on. You do have moments where they're like, okay, you guys go home, and and they specifically have the, like we slept for four or five yep. hours or something. Well, or like that. or you've got Frank Smith. He's saying. Faye's really going to be upset with me tonight, Joe. Yes. I yeah. told her I'd be yeah. home for dinner, and this is the yeah. fourth night in a row. But... Yeah. <laughs> well, she'll, yeah, un- I guess... she'll understand, Frank. Yeah. yeah I, after I guess... two or three days, it's going to be a quiet house. <laughs> it's... I wonder if, like, they're, they're like, they, 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 they rotate it after a time. You know, like, Cameron's in there for maybe, like, four hours, and then he goes off and sleeps for four hours. And then he comes back, and someone goes into his place or something. Because some of these um, stories have taken a few days. Yeah. And surely the same people can't be sitting there the whole time, uh, unless I mean, unless they really. I mean, I would love to love my day job as much as they do if they're willing to sit there for two to three days in a row 
doing it. And you got to imagine too, they can't. They're not doing everything all the uh, stuff all the time. So if it's like if if like this one takes place over twenty say twenty four hours, mm-hmm. I don't know how long it takes place. You know, stuff is actually only happening for maybe a couple of hours at most. Th- Even yeah. if they're troubleshooting everything, then most mm-hmm. of them are probably just sitting there waiting for the information to get back to them. And I guess that would probably be it. They could probably retire. You know, like okay, he's he's on the plane. He's going to be there. It's not. It's going to be four hours. Yeah. Everyone rest. I'll stay here. <clears throat> and then mm-hmm. after the four hours, everyone comes back. I'll take a little rest. Call me if I need. To. That makes sense. It does. It does. That makes it almost be- like the crew of a uh, ship. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That, I mean, I can't imagine. You know, they're just like, oh, we'll just go do it until it's done. <laughs> you know, I You know, no, no. That's I, I like. No, that that makes that makes perfect sense. That there there is. We, we we are seeing the uh, the uptime, yeah. Uh, in it, not the downtime. So um, apart from the occasional smooch, uh, although is that downtime? Because um, the telemetry. Well, well the, uh, I could, I, there's a joke there that I'm not going to get into right now. I know. But... <laughs> yeah, I'm good. <laughs> so I so so I think I think in in the end, yeah, that that makes a. I like I like that thought that that makes sense to me that uh, like like for but for example like when like when they discover that they can't get through to Bianco they're probably all in there for like eight ten twelve hours mm-hmm. or whatever it is you know no one's really resting but but through but that doesn't happen until maybe like twenty minutes into the episode so and 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 that is specifically set up as like a most dangerous game type thing so that may not take place over more than three, four, five hours or something like that. So I, I could see that working like that. But yeah, I like I like the way we figured out how probe worked. Yeah. What did you think of, what did you think of the rest of the episode now that we figured that out? <laughs> well I thought that what one one last item on that is just that uh Cameron is fiercely protective of his agents. Yes. And you, he doesn't like to let on to them very often about that. But here, as it got deeper and deeper, you could see him really, yeah. no, you know, nobody messes with my people. We have yeah. got to get a hold of him. Yes. And, and during, oh, sorry. All, well, I was just going to say, you can see it in all of them. Yes. They're all working. They're all working so hard. to, And, that, and that just that moment, right? There's a big moment right at the end where the bad guy's doing something to Bianco's ear uh, thingy, um, and it's just like it's kind of really it's kind of tough to watch. It is, and and and, and you could see like everyone around them is just jamming trying to get it done, and Cameron's standing there going, "Come on, come on!" And it's just like, oh, "Come on, come on!" And you know, I was like, "Oh, you." Yeah, I don't oh, think we've seen him quite that personally involved. He, he's standing up and he's like leaning over his computer, like, "Come on, come on!" It's just really. Wow, I like that a lot. I, I, that that's the way I, I I that I wish more shows of this time period had done stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You don't you, you don't you don't get that a lot. Now, I cut you off there. You were about to say something, something great. I bet. Well, Mitchell's about to say something <laughs> great. Oh, I'm sorry. Just an an idea that had come up to me when you're talking about jamming the signals and everything. It isn't until relatively late in the game that they actually even figure out where he is. And yes. because the last the last known location he was in was when he got kidnapped and when they messed around with his uh, uh, technology so that they couldn't 
trace him. But the natural thing in something like this would have been to send another probe agent out when you lose uh, contact with one. And I was thinking back to these old Warner Brothers shows that you and I both enjoy, uh, from mm-hmm. Sunset Strip or, yes. again, Bourbon Street Beat, uh, or any of the other detective ones where you've got the rotate cast, but frequently one or more of the non-featured players will poke his head into the episode. And and this would have been a perfect time for them to introduce something like that, as will be the next episode we discuss, which is just a little teaser there. But Uh um, the idea that they could have brought in either Lockwood or Grover just for a couple of minutes in there mm-hmm. uh, to suggest that they're trying to track him down. Of course, it wouldn't have worked because they don't know where yeah. he is. But it, it, in retrospect, it seems like an obvious thing. That, yes. But they, yeah, they have never had the slightest inclination in this show to bring the non-featured actors into the mm-hmm. story and that that's that's neither good nor bad i think that it works perfectly just, the way it is it just is yeah yes yes and it is and 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 bianco gets his most dangerous game stuff and he gets some he gets some great hanging off of a bridge which mm-hmm. i always love yep. and he tries to make the raft and he's really just like you could tell at certain moments when he's dragging the raft out of the water that he has no energy left but he's still going and it's just like it's it's funny like I don't I don't like to pick a favorite probe. But whenever I see Tony Franciosa doing his thing, he's like, yeah. He's he's yep. like this is this is I mean like Lockwood's a lot of fun, but Lockwood has a bit of as I've said before, kind of your uncle mm-hmm. feeling to him. And I don't mean the man from Uncle. I mean your <laughs> uncle. And 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 um and, and, and Grover we just haven't seen enough of. And he is he is Doug McClure. So 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 there is a bit of um so there is a bit of uh, that just that Trampus goofiness that always is in my mind with him. But Tony Franciosa is so he's so no nonsense yep. and he's just getting in there and the way he like first he climbs over barbed wire and then he goes underneath the bridge and it's just and he's always and just the way the way the glee he has when he throws the mine mm, yes. at the big bad yes. guy hey <laughs> just throws it it's just um well and the way he takes down Diana Highland's character and of course they were supposed to have been a thing at one time and he threw her over which apparently does not happen and yes. that's that's the setup to all of this but when when he is telling her through the bad guy uh, Albert Paulson, who plays Danzig, and boy, that's a great name for a villain. Isn't that it? is a fantastic <laughs> name. Yeah, I'm, and, I'm a big Misfits fan, no, so it's good. It's good it's to hear a, Danzig. <laughs> it's a great name, and and you can tell from the very beginning that Paulson is absolutely insane. Mm. He play. I, yes. At first, I was prepared to not like the way he was playing this role because he he just laughed. At everything, and I'm I'm thought it was a very superficial way of doing it. But as it progressed, and as uh, Bianco starts to fight back, 
Danzig starts to get frustrated by it, and he starts, Paulson as the actor starts to show a little more dimension to the character. So yes. I started out not liking his portrayal, and I thought it got better. And he, anyway, Bianco is telling Danzig what he, Bianco, thinks of his former flame, Danzig's current flame. And mm-hmm. he pretty much takes her apart piece by piece, yes. surgically. You know, yes. he doesn't, there isn't even any bleeding. That's how sharp the slices <laughs> are. And there's that whole element to his character. Every episode that he appears in, you, you see a, a, a facet of what a dangerous man he is. Yes, that's the, that's the thing you don't see with Lockwood and Grover. Precisely, I don't think, yes. Is, there's something about him which is like, he if he if he's being nice to you and he likes you, oh that's the best. <laughs> but if he like that, well, you, you remember that one guy in the in the episode where they were looking for the 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 the, the money, the counterfeit money, the the old plates. Yeah. And that one that one guy, the guy with the big like uh, uh, like I want to say like mutton chops, and he was always eating. And uh, like Bianco kept going, he ran the casino or something. And like Bianco kept kept, kept going in there, and just kept like beating him up. Yeah. Every time he saw him to get the information, <laughs> and it was just like that. That's the way it is, you know. He's like, he, he he's like if if you know if if he likes you, awesome. Mm-hmm. If uh, if you're if you're on the wrong side of him, Ooh. that will be unpleasant. Yes. It and, it and it most certainly is in this episode. Yes. Yeah, and 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 true Danzig and um what what is her character's name? I forget. Uh, Marie. I just I, I yeah, think I, I, I yeah. or is Anne Jeanette. Anne Jeanette, yeah. Anne Jeanette, yes. I should just have written down billionaire heiress. <laughs> I don't know that I don't know that she that's exactly what she is. That works. But that's that's the way she's portrayed. She's portrayed as someone who has lived her whole life in luxury possibly has never done a day's work which is fine you don't have to have done it maybe yes exactly and and i'm not saying you're a bad person if you've never done a day's work in your life because if i were one or two years old and you had said and you had offered me the chance (laughs) of never having to do a day's work in my my life traveling the world and getting getting whatever i want I would have said yes. Deal, yeah. So, so deal, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not putting her down, but, but the way that it, it, it's one thing to take a breakup badly, but the way you see, I mean, they, they kidnap Bianco, they beat him up, they operate on him, and they torture him when he's out in, in there. And that's, that's too much. No, that, so so it's tricky because in the end she gets to sort of go free, mm-hmm. but but part of me is almost like should she have? Well, you know, Be- and and that's the thing. It's there. She at at some point, e- even she thinks it's gone too far. Yes, and we're watching this and saying, you know, like what. What the hell did you think was gonna happen here? <laughs> exactly. Uh, this isn't you. You know, you're gonna marry this guy, and you're just now discovering that he's a psychopathic, homicidal maniac. <laughs> Gentlemen who have their own private islands covered in mines, yeah, are not usually good people. No. I I, I don't want to say it's 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 some distance, but Danzig Zaroff, they both have Z's in them. 
and they both ran their most dangerous <laughs> games. So you're not. I mean, it's like I don't. How do they get together? I I don't. I want to. I want to see that first date. Yeah. You know, like you know, like I want to see him co- cozying up to her at the bar. Hey, aren't you that billionaire heiress? Hey, aren't you that guy with a crazy name that is the fifth richest guy in the world? Yeah, you know, let's like do when, it. When he brought <laughs> her back to his place, did he say, "Hold on a moment, dear, I'll turn the mines off first? <laughs> you know, it was like it was like we're going to my private island, and the helicopter goes up, and as it goes over the top of the island, there's a gigantic stone face of him, <laughs> and it it opens in the middle, and there's the helicopter bay, and then don't worry about the face. It's it was here. It was here when I bought it. It was here. It was uh, the, the pre- people before the guy looked like me, you know, and then, and then the big face of him closes up and it, it you know, and it's just like you, it's, it's, it's tricky because yeah, you, you, you do feel somewhat for her in the end. I mean, it's Diana Highland, you know, yeah. you, 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 I mean, she, she, you know, her, she married Dick Van Patten in, you know, in fiction town, <laughs> you know, later on, you know, um, uh, so, so you, you, there, you, I'm, I'm predisposed to like her, but I think it's that moment when, although I'll be honest, when Cam, do you see the the Cameron comedy in the beginning, when he's doing the thing where he's like, yeah, she's the, I keep calling her billionaire heiress, I forget exactly what she is, but and she's she's been with diplomats and da 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 da, and you just see her with pictures of all these guys, and then just casually like, and all sorts of other guys, yeah. and then you see her with Bianco. <laughs> And then it's just casual, and then it cuts back to Bianco, and he's like, "Going, oh god, yeah, yeah okay." And that was a very funny moment. That was a very funny. Moment. And, it, and, it, and it leads to a really good moment too, where where Bianco says, "I don't want this assignment." Yes, yes, and, and he's uh, right. He gives a pretty good reason for why he doesn't want the assignment, and Cam kind of tells him, "Well." I understand what you're saying, but you're on the assignment anyway. And then Bianco turns to leave and he kind of says like, well, where are you going? And you're expecting that, that, uh, he thinks that Bianco is walking out. He's storming out or angry about everything. No, he's on the job. He's already headed someplace. And it's like my wife was saying when we were watching this, that, okay, he doesn't like it. He doesn't think he should do it. He doesn't want to be involved in it. But once that is no longer the question, he's on the job from the first second. The moment. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and the thing with um, the Anjanette's character is that, she, for me, she lost all sympathy and had trouble bringing it up no matter how much she complained to Danzig the moment when Bianca wakes up from surgery and she's kind of there with a glass of champagne kind of mocking him. Yeah. And there's something about that where it's like, no, 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 dear, no. I'm sorry, I don't mean to be rude, but no, that's not nice. <laughs> that is there. There are some things that are not nice. That's not nice. I was secretly hoping that something would happen to her. And I was I was hoping that they would not or that they would resist the temptation to have the two of them kiss and make up because after all she does play a part in how it all ends but yes. but no they did resist that and in fact Bianco this gets is... another chance to, t- to shoot her down at the end and um yes. and that is um I think points to a consistency of character that uh, yes. something about Bianco that reminds me of something that uh, Joseph Kennedy said about 
Bobby Kennedy that when he was comparing the brothers Kennedy and uh-huh. he said about Bob when he hates you you stay hated <laughs> and I would imagine the same goes for for Bianco he is a man yes. I think who is slow he'll he may forgive that's a personal thing yes. but he's very slow to forget Yes, yes, and it really is a nice moment, and we'll we'll let you you all all watch it. But the the very closing scene has a moment where a question is asked. There's a pause, and then the answer is kind of a yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> kind, of, kind of a response. It's like well done. We won't say. I mean, it, it may be slightly obvious what it is, but we won't we won't stick with that. Um, but uh, so 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 what else do you have in this one? I mean, I like I think the most dangerous game stuff is nicely yep. done. I, I like the guy with the gun mm-hmm. who's always yep. shooting. He's he's got that he's got that perfect like um uh secondary James Bond villain kind of thing where like he he's he's a tough guy and he's got the gun and he's a perfect marksman and stuff like that, but you know he's gonna get taken out. Yep. Well and for I that. will say for being a perfect marksman, he was awfully bad shooting in this. Yeah, maybe uh, the sun got in his eyes. I don't know. Yeah, Yeah, he was... You know, it's um, Lee Harvey Oswald should have been such a bad marksman. Yes, yes. But, uh, (laughs) you know, the... It's an, it, it, it's this is more than an enjoyable episode. I thought that that this was a very good episode because you know Bianco is going to get out of it, but you don't really know how the story is going to be resolved, yes. and you don't know what is going to happen that is going to enable the outcome to be a satisfactory yes. one. And they play that very well. And. Um, one last thing that I have, and I'll turn it back to you. In the smallest print of the guest cast, we find out that one of the technicians in uh, probe control is Cheryl Stoppelmore, whom we all know and love as Cheryl Ladd. Oh, that's right. And um, yeah. she was back in the day. Cheryl Jean Stoppelmore. I, wow. I I did a TV guide that featured her with that name. Uh, oh, she wow. wasn't. She was. She was one of kind of the starlets that I profile from time to time in there. That they think this is uh-huh. somebody who could make it big. And she was still Cheryl Jean Stoppelmore wow. from uh, South That's Dakota. Cool. That's cool. And uh, so uh, I don't even know if she's got. M- m- more than a line or so but look quickly yes yeah 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 that's right that's right okay so i think i i would i think i've just got two more things one the island is covered with cameras and they're all up on high poles and i think if if someone were to do something today where they had cameras like that the first thing the person would do would be rush the pole and knock it over yes Whereas I think in this there's something where it's like there's a thing where they they like look up at it and like oh that damn camera's looking at me again, but it's like, but they never actually show like is the camera surrounded by mines is it surrounded by barbed wire for like twenty or thirty feet? are the is the pole greased is the pole is the pole greased is it electrified why can't you just rush the pole and I mean it's just this little pole with this flimsy little camera on top yeah. surely you could just shake the pole and the camera would fall off. Well, I wondered. I, yeah, I wondered when he when he knocks out the sharpshooter with the bomb. 
Uh-huh. He doesn't he doesn't grab the gun or anything. And in our previous episode, there was a remark made rather casually about how probe agents aren't allowed to attack or fight or something something to, I can't remember the exact word yeah, yeah. and my thought had been well I wonder if anybody's told Bianco that because he's beaten the crap <laughs> out of plenty of people the, yes. now, now looking at it the only thing I can think of is that they are not allowed to use a weapon mm. and if that's mm. the case then that would explain why he didn't do the obvious thing which was to take that gun and shoot out the cameras. Yes, yes. So I, yeah. that's pure speculation on my part, but um, I, I, I um, meant to bring that up when we talked about that last episode. This, mm-hmm. but it's I, maybe it's like Star Trek's non-interference clause that they never mm, pay yes. attention to. But <laughs> yes, yeah. other, otherwise, that must be it that they aren't allowed to use weapons, even in a defensive. Banner, and yeah. I started thinking, well, I wonder if I've ever seen one of them shoot. And I don't know that I have. I haven't either, yeah. I I think the thing with me, the reason why they didn't touch the camera, is because at that time it would have been such a high-tech thing yeah. that it would have been like, oh, do, you don't touch that. That's a, that's too high-tech. Yeah. You don't, you don't, no, no, no. You you don't go near that. That, that just is. We're victims of superior we're, we're, technology. Yes, exactly. We're victims of, you know, and so, someone would be like, uh, I could push it over. Don't, don't touch it. We don't know what it's it'll te- do to it's us. The, <laughs> it's the technology. It's the technology. And th- that's to me how it looked, because whenever they show the cameras, they always look a little flimsy. <laughs> and it always just looks like it's on an old flagpole. So, you know, it's like, just give it a rush, you know? Maybe you could knock it off of there or something. Um, but but that's what I think it is. I think it's like, at that time, and I don't know this for certain, but that time it would have been like, people may have seen it and gone like, oh, he's put all these cameras up so we can watch everything that happens on the island. We're doomed. <sighs> We're doomed. There's nothing we can do. And, and, you know, a few years later, someone would have been like, you know, the Hulk would have been on there and just pushed it over. But, um, but you know, Bianco ain't going to do that. because And, and two... May, and I'll stop talking. Maybe, maybe it's a question of um, uh, what, what is it they mention at some time? His um, what is it they mention? His like his sense of fairness, or is it? Don't they mention that yeah, at some point? Something in the about episode? that. Yeah, his sense of fair, and that could be it. It's like you know, okay, I've I'm on here, you know, I've I've told you that I'm not going to bow down before you, so that means I have to get off the island. Yeah, and so in the sense of fair play, that's why I don't knock down the cameras, because that would not be fair to do that. Taking a mine and throwing it—that that's, that's okay yeah, because that's it's a freaking mine. It's mm-hmm. a it's a freaking mine. But but the cameras are like you know it's like it's you know it's like why he you know doesn't uh, screw around with the the like that gate on the bridge or anything like that where he just immediately goes underneath it. You know, it's like maybe it's a sense of fair play that just says, okay, you've got the cameras up. That's how you see me. It's my job to get work around that because the cameras aren't everywhere. So fair play, let's do it. I'll buy it. Maybe. All right. So, Mitchell, where, do you have anything else? No, nope, I think I oh. have uh, exhausted <laughs> oh, my supply of uh, minutia. 
Excellent. So uh, where can we find you online? Um, look me up at itsabouttv.com, I-T-S-A-B-O-U-T-TV.com. Find out about my books, including my TV book, The Electronic Mirror. And you can also follow me on Twitter and Facebook. Thank you, sir. And when we return for the next episode, we will – I think we're past the halfway point in the series. Wow. <laughs> it's just like with Bourbon Street Beat, we weren't anywhere oh, near no, it. Oh, no, no. We were maybe, at what, the, a third of the way. At the, <laughs> we, yeah, 39 episodes. We were – yeah, this is just this is just a pittance. <laughs> but, um, but we will be back next time. I forget the name of the episode, but I bet it's great. Yeah, yeah. And now – if if you guys if you all want to hold on, join Amy the Conqueror and myself. We are about to go ape. Horse Race, directed by Jack Sterrett, written by David P. Lewis and Booker Bradshaw, episode 9, Planet of the Apes, November 8th, 1974. I'm just going to read you the sentence from Wikipedia, and thank you to the author of this. In exchange for a condemned human's freedom, Verdon agrees to race a Prefect Barlow, that's the prefect of the town area they're in, Prefect Barlow's horse against Urko's horse, who has never lost a race. So... It's basically, when, when it begins, it's, there's a race going on, and apes don't believe that humans have the ability to race, and then Verdon proves that he does, and Urko has about a thousand different ways he's going to cheat on his race, but if, if, if Verdon can win, this human is freed, and if Urko wins, everybody dies, I forget, it's Urko, you know, he's, he's that kind of guy. Um, Amy and I are on the other side of this one. Uh, here's a burst of music, and, and then us. The Horse Race, Episode Nine of Planet of the Apes. We get a lot of the episodes. You know, when you, when you put the the in front of it, it's um, the Horse Race, the Deception, the Surgeon. They mm-hmm. seem to be like the definite articles. So this is going to be the Horse Race, apparently, to end all horse races. So I have here with me Amy the Conqueror. Amy, how are you? I'm good, Dan. How are you? I'm doing okay. I'm ready to discuss the Horse Race. What did you think of? The horse race. The, ho- the horse race, yes. <laughs> uh, I thought the horse race was a pretty fun episode. It was um, back to s- some more action, a little more action-packed mm-hmm. than others. And there were there was a lot of horse racing, so it didn't lie. It, <laughs> no. it, it yeah. wasn't, you know, false advertising. They mm-hmm. raced horses. <laughs> so I thought this one was, was pretty fun. And mm-hmm. like I said, a little more action packed. So that's kind of what I I want from a Planet of the Apes television yes. show. I want action. <laughs> yes, I think I, I think the the thing with and I'm going to go on a bit of a tangent in a um some point not too long in this because I said I would a couple episodes ago. Um, but I think and this may be the start of the tangent is that like the Planet of, it's it would be like <clears throat> think of like the Back to the Future trilogy. The Back to the Future trilogy are the major points in the time traveling 
of Doc Brown and Marty McFly. But there is, I believe there's an animated series, and there was probably a comic book that goes off on all these other tangents with all these littler, littler stories that maybe fill in gaps or like, oh, how come they never went here? And then the animated series go there. But when you watch the trilogy, that is the, sto the story. That is the big story, the adventures they went on. All the other things are sort of supplemental, filling in gaps. It's like if you're a Doctor Who fan. There's the TV show, and then you've got the audio adventures, you've got the books, you've got the comic strips. They all fill in gaps. But the TV show, those are the main adventures. And to me, like the Planet of the Apes series are, is the main, big, overarching looking down at it from a, a great height story. And Planet of the Apes, the TV series, is one that comes in and just fills in little gaps, fills in little spaces here and there. And so sometimes they're going to be filled with adventure, and sometimes they're going to be drama, and sometimes they're going to be confusing messes. But that to, to me, that's sort of, and I'll talk a little bit, that, that's sort of pertaining to my theory on the show, Actually, actually, that is kind of my theory on the show, but I'll talk about it for like two more minutes later. But uh, would you did did I interrupt what you were saying, Amy, when I went off on that mini tangent? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think I was oh. just saying that I wanted an action-packed show, and I got one with this one. Well, awesome. I mean, it wasn't action-packed, yeah. but it was more action-oriented, and a lot. And I feel like it was just yes. a better episode than mm -hmm. the the last ones that we've mm -hmm. watched. So, yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I, I quite enjoyed the episode too. I like the, um, I I like the uh, the concept of the um, the prefect and the um, the head, the other guy, the other gorilla -y guy who's Erko? always, yes, 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 Erko. yes. Um, I, I like sort of their relationship and the fact that um, the the fact that Erko is so cheats so many times yeah. during the horse race i mean it's literally i mean how 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 alan got from one end of that horse race to the other was astounding <laughs> right. there is just i mean literally it's a i like to win you know and i'll do whatever i have to to win and i mean literally from the beginning from the fact that he starts the race early before alan gets there to all the little traps that they have to the fact that he has a gorilla on, at the finish line to shoot alan right is, but is he, like, he seems to take defeat well, though. He doesn't – you would think that he would um, start killing people or killing apes or just because he lost, but he doesn't. Yes. He's just like, yeah, the payment's been arranged, you know, and he kind yeah. of just goes on with his life. But, yeah, he cheats so much, and he he's never lost. So why why would he be such a graceful loser? Yes. The 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 thought I had, which wasn't a pleasant one, was that since he's sending the prefect away, and these people will now get a new prefect and now get like new leaders, maybe he can um, eliminate some of the people uh. who uh, saw that, that, that. And that's not a pleasant thing, but that's that's the kind of stuff that happens in this. Yes. Um, so that could be it, where he's like, uh, he could, he could he could either honestly be like, yeah, I lost, but it wasn't that bad. Eh. You know, it's not like I lost anything. You know, I'm just, you know, I just have to sign a few forms to transfer this guy from one spot to another. Right. You know, and, and but but then another part of him could have been like, well, what can I do to make sure that nobody knows I lost? Well, we're getting rid of these people. And if I can maybe, um, you know, call up the dragoons from the uh, previous episode <laughs> and bring them in to cause some trouble. But I, I, I like the, um, yeah, I think it's a, it's a fun episode. It's, um, 
it 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 moves along nicely and it doesn't have a lot of extraneous stuff happening. Right. It's mainly about the horse race and setting up the horse race. And um I like I do like the bit like the surprise moment when Galen gets um stung by the tiger scorpion. Yep. And and the kid has to ride into um town to, to get the um to get the uh um the antitoxin, the you know, the, the you know, you know, the antidote. Yep. Um and I, and I do love that moment when all the when he passes through all the apes and they see him. Which is which is a really nice moment where all the apes are sort of around these these like shrubberies, and then all of a sudden this horse bursts through it. I said, <laughs> "What the heck?" I said, "I thought that was that was nicely uh, done." And um, yeah, overall, overall, it's it, this actually. I think kind of like you said with the action oriented. This is kind of more like what I felt the show was going to be than yes. what it's kind of been. I thought it was them going to get in a bunch of actiony punch up skirmishes and things like that and um and uh this one this one is that and you know i i don't mean a uh, spoiler but you know um you know uh alan peter don't die in the end uh <laughs> so 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 that's a good thing although although when they when they leave in the end and they're walking away there's a bit of bit of more of a feeling of oh another one of those and just walking away from it, I thought <laughs> sort of right. like you know, you know, you know, some, you know. Sometimes it's like when Doctor Banner, at the end of an Incredible Hulk, walks away from something, you feel like he's been affected by it. Other times, like the midget wrestling episode, you feel like <laughs> he's not as affected by it as he was some others. So, so this one, when they're like walking, it, it was literally what happened was the episode ended. The prefect, I think, invites the blacksmith and his son to come with him, mm-hmm. and the guys kind of say goodbye. And then I think I like I looked away for like ten seconds. Then when I looked up, like they were like their backs were to us and they were like walking up like a mountain or something. And it yep. ended. And I was like, Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> well, there you have it. All right. So what what else do you have on this one? Um the the main not the so the prefect. Um yes. his name was Barlow, I believe. Mm. Uh I believe so, yes. Now was he in an earlier episode? And what episode was it? Was he the prefect who yes. collected artifacts, or I was trying to place him? Um, Me too. Yeah, because they act. He knows them. He's like Burke yeah. Burden, you know. Like he he knows them, and he knows they're, mm-hmm. you know, hiding and on the run. And so Is... I, I I couldn't remember, but I I was wondering if it was the um episode where. He was. The, he had the golf club, and he was like, "Oh, this is a weapon." Yes, and, yes, um, yes. Was that the gladiators one, or was that? Hmm. Was it the gladiators one? It might have been the gladiators. One. It, isn't it because that's the one where they lose that thing that we haven't seen since? Yes, exactly. The disc. The, yeah, the, yes, the all important disc that we have not heard yes, about since the, episode yes. three or two. I think that's. I think that's the gladiators because Galen goes there and there's a long scene where he um he's like looking at the desk and everything and then I think I think that's the gladiators. I feel I feel and I feel like they, it could be you know what I thought that too. I thought oh we've seen this guy before and then I thought Amy will look it up. <laughs> no, <laughs> I should have. Sorry, I should have. No, you know I, what we'll I do? <laughs> did go through my notes but I couldn't find the name Barlow so I probably didn't write it down then (laughs) okay all right so so what i will do is before we get to the next episode which probably has a great title the 
<laughs> oh, the the interrogation. Before we get to that one, I will find out if this character because that's kind of what it seems like. I, I thought when he met him, it was like the, the kind of the way like he he looked at Galen like, oh no, not you again. What's going on? You know, I get transferred halfway across the world, right? And you you goofballs are here again. What are you up to now? Mark Singer isn't here. Okay, <laughs> sorry. Yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I um. Yeah, I, I'll, I will look him up. I will look him up, folks, to see if he was in a previous one. Um, let's see. What else did I, I like? What, what, what else did you like about this one? What else? Uh, the horse race is fun. Yeah. Although, although, although I, I would have liked, I would have liked if, because it's like, it's something like three times around the village and then something or other. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I, I would have really liked, and I, when they show the, it, it begins with two apes racing. And I would have really liked if during that scene we could have seen the apes like do a lap, like a full lap, like the camera could have been behind them. Right. And it, it didn't have to be one continuous shot. It could have cut back, but we could have seen where, just so we could have gotten some concept of like three times around the village and what that meant. Because mm-hmm. uh, I always like that when I see like an action scene or a chase scene. I like to, especially if it's a race, I like to sort of know. The parameters like where where we're right. going you know like if we're if we're jumping over a little creek you know if we're rounding a corner by a huge oak tree you know something like that i like to i like to see that um but then you know the person who directed this probably wasn't thinking of what i wanted at that time <laughs> probably not unfortunately yeah uh what else do you have on this one Let me just um i thought the uh as silly as it was it was entertaining the uh where and when Alan uh, breaks the wild horse and he's doing like a yes. fucking Bronco thing. And then yes. all of a sudden breaks through the fence and Alan's got complete control. Yes. And then he's easy as pie to take care of after that. So it was kind of silly, but I, I thought it was fun. Um, yeah. I, I didn't expect a rodeo or, or you know, anything like that in Planet of the Apes. So that was, that was a nice surprise. I didn't. I, that should be on a T-shirt or something. I didn't expect a rodeo in Planet of the Apes. <laughs> well, when you make uh, eventually Super Train merchandise, <laughs> yes. that will be one oh, of the T-shirts. Be a, it'll be it'll be a a, a Lynch at the bottom. Just <laughs> in a, um, yeah. I, I the thing I like about when he breaks through there and suddenly like he goes like fifty feet and then the horse comes back. He's he's broken. Yep. He's good. It's, it's it's almost like I want all I could think of was like oh they put like I don't know if you remember this uh, the invis- invisible fencing invisible fence mm-hmm. you used to put on your I I know I never did this but this you know you put on the edge of your property and your dog won't go beyond it. Yep. I almost felt like it was like they they had invisible fence around that corral <laughs> and the moment the horse jumped out of it like a beep went off or something it was like oh man oh 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 and then he went back in the corral and he was like oh just whatever just don't do oh i don't want that again (laughs) just make that stop please oh it's funny a long time ago i wrote a story where um uh a guy put up invisible fencing around his house to keep his dog in but um he put the invisible fencing in backwards so his dog ran away and never came back to the house (laughs) that's pretty um (laughs) <laughs> that was a long time ago, um, uh, but but that that's kind of yeah. I liked I liked that. So you you didn't expect it, and I like too that like um the prefect is like no human can ride a horse. Yeah. No ape no ape has ever broken this horse. Well, I just broke this horse in forty seconds. That was okay for a human. <laughs> I thought, wait a minute, I just did something you said an ape has never done. Right. 
surely that I know what you're doing, old old ape guy. <laughs> but but surely you're like you know he's like grandma, you know who you could never you, you could never impress grandma kind of thing you know it's like <laughs> right you know it's like you know it's just like you know grandma you know i i just made the uh you know uh i i don't know i'm trying to think of a grandma story i'll throw that in later but you you know what i mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah i thought uh, it was um funny that i never noticed that humans don't ride any horses in any yes. of these episodes and that was the first time i really thought about that or put that connection together like oh yeah of course they run alongside or you know they they don't ride horses um but i mean aren't apes supposed to weigh a lot more than humans so wouldn't would think. any human rider be able to win <laughs> because you would think because yeah. you know they, they seem to have less bulk than say, yes I, a gorilla I, which i assume because it's urko's men and they're the police force that they're gorillas that would be hefty. pretty heavy on a horse yes i mean I heavier than alan <laughs> yeah, I was. I was. I guess that's why Alan keeps catching up with the guy on the horse. Or the yeah, that gorilla, was surprising a couple times. <laughs> yes, yeah. There, there were time. There were there were a few moments there where it's like there's a moment where they dig, dig a little ditch. The bad guys, the bad gorillas, and and Alan and the horse fall in it and fall over, and then they get up. And there's a really long stretch where there's no sign of Alan, and you think, oh, it's over. But then he shows up and catches up with the gorilla. You know, you're like, okay, so, and, but I think, I like your theory that the reason why he does, I think anyone watching back in the day who knew anything about the apes and gorillas would be like, of course he's going to catch up with them if he can just get back on the horse, because humans are lighter. And I'm sitting here like an idiot, trying to make up stories about my grandma, not not even looking <laughs> any of this up. No, that that, that makes that makes sense how, how we kept catching up with him, because if it was like, if it was just like two guys or two gals on a horse... That distance, there's no way yeah. he could have caught. He could have caught no up. Way. They could have caught up. There's no way. That just hits a point where it gets too far. And yeah. And it's funny because even Barlow, during the race, is like, "Oh, I'm gonna win. I'm gonna win." And like, uh, Alan's nowhere to be seen. So I yes. don't know how he knew he was going to win, but yeah. he was pretty sure of it. And he, you know, he was right. Yes, in the end. In the end. Um, let's see. Uh... What else do you have about this one? Let me let me do a scan. I like the, I do like the scorpion. I do like when they put the scorpion on the, the gorilla <laughs> yeah. with the rifle's shoulder and that look he has on his face. Um, <laughs> I, was, I was a little disappointed by the father, uh, the blacksmith there, oh, who, yes. you know, put the wedges and the shoe of um, Alan's horse to try to slow him down. I got what he was doing, but also... I don't know. He kind of betrayed the guys, and I, I can't have that. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm with you there because there, there is a point like when he's the blacksmith is having a chat uh, with with the guy whose name I keep forgetting, the the head gorilla guy. Urko. I can write it down. Urko, Urko. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, and he's having a chat, and it's like, okay, well, if he wins, your son dies. If he loses, your son gets let go. And if he's winning, shoot him. And if he's losing, then don't shoot him until it's over. And there were so many rules. The write it down, get an abacus, do something. I don't right. know. It just seems like it just seems like there was a that during that scene. It was just like Ergo loves winning so much that it it became to me amusing how many things he had set up on the race to try to stop Alan. 
including a guy to shoot him dead in the end. And it's like, wow, that's, whew, that, um, why did the prefect even, why did the prefect even, you know, dive in to the, I mean, I don't get it. You know, it's, right. it's like, you would, you would think someone would have heard, hey, Urko cheats every, every step of the way. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you would think. Yeah, um, uh, let's, let's see, um, yeah, it's. I mean, it's. it's don't don't get, don't get me wrong, folks. I think it's an. It's a. It's a fun final horse race sequence. Yes. But but the more you see how much he cheats, and it's one of those things where like, the good guys, yeah, they 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 put a score now 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 Galen has the one of those new New Year's noisemaker things, <laughs> but but he doesn't actually use that during the race, does he or does he? Uh, just at the beginning to distract. From okay. them seeing that it was Alan, I was like, "Really? You made yes. him do that just to? You couldn't just, I don't know, hoot or holler or <laughs> yeah, exactly. make other yeah. some yeah. other loud noise?" But it seemed like he was just, you know, using that to distract Urko from seeing that Alan was actually right the one there. on the horse. You know, it's like I was able to yet to carve a New Year's Eve noisemaker out of wood. Yeah. In a few minutes, it's like it's like if you ever seen a. Uh, was it Cave Dwellers, the second Ator film where Ator makes a hang glider? You know, it's like you see something <laughs> like that and you're like, what the hell? You know, it's like you really built you you built one of those little noisemaker metal <laughs> crap things that I used to have when I was a kid just to distract like the the Urko for like thirty seconds. Yeah. Uh, I thought I thought they were going to use it during the race. I thought they yeah. were going to be poised at certain spots and, and scare the um scare the scare the horse. But it's funny. It's one of those tricky things where like the bad guys cheat in a hundred different ways, but as long as they win, they've won. Whereas the good guys, the only thing they do that's cheating is put a scorpion on the shoulder of a guy <laughs> who's going to shoot our hero in the head. Right, and that's so yeah. so it's like it's like, it's like. It's it's and I applaud the good guys for winning, but every once in a while it's got to be like if you're a good guy, it's got to be like I want to cheat too. Right. <laughs> Come on, it looks like they're having so much fun. You well, know, I guess and... they kind of cheated by using the thinner horseshoes. That's true. Is that is, is that really is that, cheating is... though? No, it's just having a knowledge base that's yes. better than your opponent and using that yes. to your advantage. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and and I yeah. Yeah, and I suppose if they had if they had actually told like Urko like use a thinner horseshoe, his response would have probably been, "Why would I listen to a human about horseshoes? Yeah. <laughs> My family has been putting shoes on horses for a hundred years, <laughs> and they're all this size. Thin horseshoes, <laughs> get out of here." Uh, so, uh, do you have anything else on this one? It's a fun episode. It is a fun episode. Um, oh, there was one thing I noticed, and I wish they had done this more. And maybe they will going forward. Um, is at one point Galen is after the the race, and they're trying to get the the little prison cart that it has the uh-huh. blacksmith's son in it. And Galen does this little like very chimp like jump up onto a roof. Oh yes. And yeah. I was like, why yeah. don't they do that more? These are apes. They should be, yeah. you know, able to do these things with ease. And that's like the first time I remember them doing. Anything that yeah. actually seems like something a primate it would is, do like that, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it, it is surprising, yeah, because right after they win the race, there's some great sort of cleaning up the bad guy moments with all our heroes, where they're just kind of like showing up and saving the day briefly. Yeah, and Galen has a really nice sort of leap, and everything's like, yeah, they should 
They should do that more. I don't know why they don't. He does. He does. Um. Oh no, it's not in this episode. I think it was in the previous one. He does have a moment where he's trying to lead them somewhere, like on a beach. And as he's leading them and trying to move quickly, he kind of makes chimp noises <laughs> as he's leading them along, which which you don't hear a lot. Right. But um, but yeah, overall, yeah, this is a. Oh, I'm sorry. Do you have anything else? I didn't mean to cut you off. No, 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 that, that was it. Oh, um, all right. Yeah, and you know, I I can understand the blacksmith dad kind of turning in the guys, but I wish he wouldn't have. Yeah, that was disappointing. <laughs> Yeah, it was disappointing for the the character, and it was also um, just added confusion mm-hmm. to what the hell is going on in the race. Yeah. Um, and I, I, although I do like in the end with the prefix said, and I thought it was um, just one of those moments where if, if this were like a Spielberg film or something, the John Williams music would have risen up, and we would have all gone yeah. Uh, and that was the um, when he tells when the prefix tells the kid, and I don't want you riding any more horses. When I can see you, or something like <laughs> yeah. that. It's, hey! <laughs> and so everyone's happy except for our three main guys who, you know, just have the clothes on their back and are wandering up a random mountain. Yep. Again. Yeah. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna throw out my theory of actually, and you kind of got it with the Back to the Future thing I just said, is that what I sort of look at this like is, um, it is the um uh. You, you, you know, you, you look down at something from a great height and you see, you know, certain points, a mountain, a tall building, or this or that or whatever. And that's sort of the Planet of the Apes movies. And then you drop into that space and you meet the people and you see the individual spaces. You go inside the building, you go up the mountain, and there's a different story in each spot. Um, I was I was actually thinking, and, and, I, and I, I, I won't go too far into this, but there's a... Um, in Doctor Who, pardon me, everyone, because I was bring up, seen bring up Doctor Who. Although I haven't in a while, have I? No, I did a couple episodes ago. Ah, <laughs> oh, damn it. Um, uh, there, there is a um, the third series of the current run of Doctor Who, so that would be season twenty nine for you nerds. Um, that there's a it ends with uh, an episode called a two parter, a three parter actually, but a Sound of Drums and Last of the Time Lords, and in it the Master, the Doctor, sort of arch enemy, as it were basically takes over the world and makes the doctor very old and imprisons the doctor and kind of just like makes the world a living hell. And at the end of the episode, Sound of Drums, he does this and the doctor's companion, Martha, escapes um, using a time manipulator, don't ask, or vortex manipulator, I forget what it's called. It's a little thing she can zoop around and she escapes from all this hell. And the next episode, Last of Time Lords, begins... And it's a one year later, and everything's terrible. And um, at, as the episode goes along, you see Martha in various spots around the world doing certain things, meeting people, talking to some people, etc., etc. At the end of the episode, Martha is able to save the day because, and it's I won't go too far into it, but you learn that, like Martha, what have you been doing this past year? In the in the pre in the past year. She spent the whole year going around the world, talking to as many people as she can, telling them about the doctor, telling them what he's done, he, she has done for the world, and um, and sort of getting them and asking them a favor. Now, I'm not going to ruin it for anyone who hasn't seen the episode, but there's something that happens in the end that involves everyone on the planet who hasn't, who isn't evil, 
doing something at the same moment and not nothing nothing dirty doing something good at the same moment and basically freeing the doctor and saving the day and this all happens because of what Martha did and which we only see brief moments of but we are told about throughout the the year that passes in between episodes so to me what's happening in Planet of the Apes is if this show had gone on for seasons we would have gotten to a point got got to a point where um, they had the guys were at a at a point where they could really change the society, change the world. Maybe like humans, like in the in the, in the in the series of movies where the apes kind of gradually take more and more power in the world. Um, the humans would sort of become a stronger force in this world, and as we draw to the end of the series and we're trying to establish a world that can be earth and ape at the same a human and ape at the same time um we begin to um bring back all these people that they've touched over the seasons individual so, so it's like they get to the end and it's like you know we've spent the past five years traveling around the earth talking to people convincing humans that apes aren't bad and convincing apes that humans aren't bad and now we're here to try to start a new start a new earth and and then all of a sudden and in you have all the stories suddenly all these little stories some of these which aren't that great some of which are really good they all make sense and you sort of sort of bring back and see all the people who you know like the um the prefect in this one and and the blacksmith and his son and and uh, fauna in the previous episode you know maybe the surgeons in the episode before that and maybe that dad and the daughter in the ep- two episodes ago maybe they finally have come to an agreement to not for him to not be such a jackass you know something like every episode every episode is some facet of ape human society here that they touch and change slightly so that when they get to the end they've actually changed everything but they've done it point by point rather than like travel no you know like you know like instead of like crop dusting a field we see them going from plant to plant you know doing whatever needs to be done or something like that and that's that's sort of to me now the show only has five more episodes i think so this never happened right but but to me in my mind that's what the goal of this is i like it i'm gonna you know watch the next episodes with that kind of in the back of my mind and see you know I, i like it and yeah and and so when you see ones that are a bit of a dud just remember when you get to the end what what they they did accomplish even if it wasn't terribly interesting right you know you know like they they had two ape surgeons who were like humans but now they're like humans maybe they know a thing or two you know mm-hmm. and and in this one the prefect is like okay well i've seen humans ride horses so obviously they know a little bit more than i thought you know and and every every step of the way just builds a little more where it um it goes from being black and white to just being shaded gray and then we get to the point where it's like maybe at the end of the series where like maybe they step up to the head of the ape planet and it's something like look at look at what we've done and you see clips from every single one of the episodes look at everyone we've helped look at everyone who's who we've had just think a little different because because we've sort of touched their lives and now maybe maybe it's time to change things and then the series ends or maybe that's the beginning of a big crazy two-parter or something. I don't know. But but that's that's the way I would have done it had I been 
the guy in charge of Planet of the Apes, the TV series. Well, I like it. Well, thank, <laughs> you, thank you. So, so I guess let's let's watch when we do the next episode. Let's watch it under that theory. Yes. That that this is not a random adventure. That the, you know, like you get, you get like a show like The Fugitive or The Incredible Hulk sort of does the same thing. You know, going around the country, touching lives, changing lives, and that kind of thing. And you know, maybe maybe there would have been a point at the end of the would have been great if like the last episode of The Fugitive, like when he's finally got the one armed man tracked down at the amusement park, suddenly every single person he'd helped in the last four seasons suddenly showed up and were like, "Hey, can we help?" <laughs> You know, it was, it was like you had 90 people there, like, can we help out? You know, it would have been like, oh, wow, check that That'd out. Be you awesome. know? Um, <laughs> that would have been fantastic. You know, or it's, like, or it's like just a moment where it was like maybe they show all these clips from all the, the, the all the guys that Alan, Peter, and Galen have helped. And maybe like they're, they're like in a huge conference room and all of a sudden like all these doors open and just people pour in, apes, humans, all intermingled together. And it's just all the people from the episodes. And like here, there they are. All the people we, whose lives we've touched, here they are. You know, let's um, let's talk. Let them tell their stories, and you can decide what what happens from here on. And I like it the more I say it, um, but it's not going to happen, <laughs> folks. But um, it's it's like with our Voyager when we did our Voyager extension. Yes. And we we, we were, you know, you know. Um, but uh, so I'll stop there because I didn't want to tangent too long. But um, and I would just say, Amy, where can we find you online? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Amy underscore the underscore conqueror. Excellent, thank you so much. And next up is uh, we got some more cold check this time. Aliens. Oh boy. <laughs> uh, and so I, I will sign off here. And let's. So we are like I said, we are going to watch the next episode, the interrogation, as if it's a huge, like beautiful master plan, and just see how we feel about it. Next time. Signing off. episode of Kolchak, also known as Kolchak the Night Stalker, although Kolchak is not the Night Stalker, that was the vampire in the Night Stalker movie. Directed by Alan Barron again, he of Blast of Silence. Pfft. Written by uh, Dennis Clark is the story, Rudolf Borchert teleplay September 27, 1974 and this is the alien episode. Basically there is an invisible alien who is um, I guess ship is broken down, is trying to repair its ship and f- find directions home and as it's doing it, in order to feed itself, it sucks the bone marrow out of people. Eh. So, so this is about Kolchak discovering this, hunting it down, and and get it gets rather X Filesy. But you will hear that as as Tim and myself talk about it. Let me give you a blast of music. We're on the other side. <laughs>
Late September 1974. Where were you? I was still wearing a diaper. We are talking episode three of Kolchak right here. They have been. They are. They will be. Yeah. And I'm here with Tim Turner for Late Night, eventually Super Train. Tim, how you doing? I'm doing good. How about you? I'm doing all right. I'm not going to be able to keep up this voice for too long because I'll start to cough. I was going to say, this is but... pretty sexy, <laughs> Dan. Oh, well, you know, <laughs> we got... You know, we're trying, you know, we've been, you know, this episode is apes and secret agents. So I thought now it's aliens. So let's, <laughs> let's, let's go. I'm thinking of, um, who is it? Art Bell, who used to do the late night, um, uh, uh, UFO yes. show and things like that. Yes. So he didn't, he didn't sound like that. He was my, I'm Art Bell, but I did, that doesn't mean I can't, you know, try something. So <laughs> I, I got to tell um, you, how I'm are looking you? forward to more of a super train after dark. After dark. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Baywatch Nights. Finally, yes. we're going to cover Baywatch Nights, and I'm going to do that voice the whole time. But the problem with Baywatch Nights, the problem with Baywatch Nights is they, the, uh, some, some country, some country, some company in Australia, <laughs> a country named Australia, a company there put both seasons out on DVD. I bought the second one because that's the X Files ripoff. I love that season so much. When I went to buy the first one, it was out of print, and it's like super expensive to get. So if I do, a ba- I may have to do a side, ba- um, Adventure Super Train After Dark, Baywatch Nights Season Two, boom, <laughs> something to look forward to in 2022. There you go. So anyway, um, I forget if I asked you how you were doing, but I think you're doing okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with that. If you're not doing okay. Let's take it outside. No, I'm kidding. Let's uh, let's let's discuss it later on. We can discuss it, you know. Um, but um, uh, so this episode has Dick Van Patten in it, which automatically means it's pretty darn great. But <laughs> it's directed by Alan Barron again, who did The Ripper. And um, but let's. Um, what did, what did you think of this one? Um, I, I kind of think this might be the first kind of a letdown episode for me um one of the things i read about uh in the uh that great book was it uh the uh the kolchak companion yes. i think yes, yes yes uh is that in order to save money they had a couple episodes this one in the energy eater where they had an invisible monster so <laughs> invisible monster means you don't have to pay for for makeup or costuming uh you just have a, a wind machine set up <laughs> blow the wind in somebody's face a lot and then yeah, they have them yeah. scream and um cut to commercial uh it it just it, it, with the exception i think of one scene the one scene i really enjoyed was at the ufo society that's funny. with the lady and she's giving her description of, of, of what it was like when the aliens took her and they gave her some you know drink that you know, tastes like a scotch and soda or whatever the heck she said. <laughs> and that that's a fun scene. It, you know, I mean, you've got uh, Phil Leeds in that scene who I love. He, he has a nice little wonderful character moment. Um, <clears throat> but uh, overall, it, it, it's, it's kind of dull. And at the mm-hmm. end, nothing's really accomplished. The, Carl just – he sees the flying saucer, the only real uh, special effect that you get – and it's always – it's so funny because it's shot just from like a safe distance so you can't see it's a miniature or whatever. Yes. And um, and he just – it's a long sequence. It's about like 10 minutes long almost of him just standing there looking at it 
and then like the wind blows at him and he takes his picture with his little instamatic camera a couple times because the sound annoys the aliens and they go away and it ends literally with just him watching the flying saucer take off and that's it and you're like but that 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 was it no wonder he throws yeah. the, the he crumbles up the paper and throws it away at the end of the episode because well, there's not much of a story there really. I, I, it, it's 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 every time I watch this episode, I almost love it. Mm. And when the episode ends, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> and to me, to me, um, to me, the thing about the episode is there's so much going on. You know, not only do you have all the alien stuff, and you have bile, and you have Dick Van Patten, and you have disappearing um, uh, animals, and you have bone marrow, and you have that long sequence in the planetarium where the camera keeps kind of like pulling in onto something, but there's nothing there. And you yeah. sit there going, "Am I looking?" At-? It's it reminds me of, um, and I, I won't go off on too many tangents here, folks, because I'm trying to cut down on those. That's one of my <laughs> for 2021. I'm trying to cut down on tangents, um, but there, there's a film from 1988 called Scarecrows. Yes. And in the film Scarecrows, there are the. It's a great movie. I recommend it highly. Um, do do I fall asleep during it sometimes? But that doesn't mean anything. I'm tired. Um, but I think it's <laughs> it's very scary. But there are lots of shots of the scarecrows hanging in fields where the camera tracks in slowly on their faces and the winds blowing around, and you feel like they're moving. For you're like, oh my god, it moved, but it didn't. They don't move. They're not. I mean, it's just the wind. But they do move later. So you keep looking at them going, okay, is it going to move? Is this going to scare me so bad I want to scream? And then it doesn't. And you're like, and that's kind of what those shots in the planetarium remind me of, where it keeps like, it. Yes. I, I forget if it zooms in or tracks in, but it keeps like going into certain, like a corner. And you're like, is there something there? Is there something there? And then it cuts away and you're like, I don't think there was anything there. Yeah, and they keep showing the, maybe there was the star machine kind of like going yes. and moving. And Carl's looking, it's, and then the star machine's moving again, and they cut to the, the, the ceiling with the constellations. Yes! There's only one shot that I like in that, and it's like a brief one where you see, like, a shadow on the wall that yes. moves, and that's really creepy. That's really well done. It's, um, it, but it's, it, uh, it's, the, it's, it's the best episode that isn't the best episode, <laughs> because I think... I've, every time I watch it, there's such an accumulation of information, and there's there's so much happening, but they're at the same time they're it's all what what's happening is, and I, I don't know if I'm going to make sense here, but all all that's happening is the accumulation. So imagine like watch like reading a watching a Sherlock Holmes movie, where Sherlock Holmes spends a hundred minutes. Get, getting clues and clues and clues and then at the very end it just ends and so you just have this sounds like the singing detective actually you know where the, where philip marlowe says you know you know uh, detective stories should be more like life all clues no solutions and that's that's kind of what this episode is like you we know because we've seen so, the x-files for heaven's sake we've seen so many alien related th- i mean this was relatively early on ish in the UFO thing. Yeah. Um and, and so um I mean this was the seventies, there were so many UFO documentaries. Um the 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 other day I watched a film called UFO Target Earth, which begins like it's a documentary but then becomes a fiction film 
And there's a 1976 documentary called Overlords of the UFO, which is completely screwball. <laughs> and there are so many other great, weird 70s documentaries on UFO, whether it's like The Force Beyond, which has a section on it, or just um, you know, trying to prove like Bigfoot was uh, an alien. You know, all these great... This was, this was the time when this sort of thing was in the pop culture realm. And I do, I do adore the fact that... Um, Kolchak learns all this stuff, he learns all this stuff, he learns all this stuff, and it all seems to accumulate into some sort of sense, but at the end, you're kind of left like, oh, yeah, I don't, like, I mentioned this in the previous discussion, like the first couple episodes of the X-Files, Mulder and Scully encounter, I mean, like, let's, this this sounds like a tangent, but I don't think it is, because we know that uh, Chris Carter loved Kolchak. Oh, yeah. So he would have watched this when he was young. And so, so the first step of the pilot of the X Files is Mulder and Scully going to a small town where like teens keep disappearing. I forget if they are brought back or not, but I know they're disappearing. And in the end, we sort of kind of learn what's happening, but there's no proof. And if the authorities wipe it away, and Mulder and Scully leave, and they're like, uh, and sort of like with Kolchak, they spend the episode accumulating all this information. Then they get to the point where they're like, this is what's happening. But then everything gets wiped out, so they're left there stand, standing there going, okay, well, what, whatever. You know, we can't, we can't prove it. Did it really ha- Whatever. The difference is that seven seasons later, at the end of the seventh season of The X-Files, they return to the town where the pilot took place, and they begin to resolve things that we saw. So, 140 episodes later, they begin to resolve things. Wow. Kolchak only had 20 episodes later. And the great thing is, what they begin to resolve in there actually becomes one of the main plot lines in Season 8. And the end, the two-parter that ends Season 8, involves one of the characters from the pilot. And so, I don't think anyone thought ahead. I, I, I think they probably just... They thought the series was supposed to end with season seven, so they thought they'd go back to the beginning. But then when they got picked up for another season, they con- they continued it. But that's one of the things is like the X Files was able to ad- advance it, and I think quite satisfyingly explain what's going on. Whereas Kolchak ending after twenty episodes, and I don't think there's another alien in the show. Is th- no, is there? Is there another alien later on? Or am I thinking of like Star Trek or something? Oh. I, no, I, don't I don't think, think so. so. I, no. I mean, there's a robot. There's but, a robot. Uh, there is a robot. Yes, yes. Yes. Um, but but this, but this so, so, so the thing with this episode for me is that as I watch it, I am absolutely intrigued by it. And then when it gets to the end, I get the X-Files disappointment. <laughs> but then most of the X-Files episodes that dis, that left you with a bit of disappointment were picked up years later. Kolchak obviously can't do that, so all right. we get is a bit of disappointment. So, so I I love the accumul like I said I love the accumulation of information. I love all the different like you know it's we're going to the zoo and we're going to Dick Van Patten's house and we're going here and we're going there. I love all of that the planetarium, but at the end it it's it feels disappointing because they it it just feels like they don't they the writers don't want to go the next step. And sort of say, here's what this was. 
they want to leave you kind of vague. And to me, that feels like maybe they would have brought it back in a second season. But I don't know because it didn't happen. So at the end of the day, this isn't as good as the first two episodes. But boy, it almost is. <laughs> oh, and, and and misses as good as a mile right here. You know, so so it's like, ugh, ugh, okay, yeah. So uh, what else do you have on this? Well, one? I, I do admire the fact that they went from okay, you had, uh, you know, you had Jack the Ripper, <laughs> which was a real a real life character, to you know a supernatural character with the zombie and now we in this one we have uh, some sort of alien force right uh yeah. and so that was kind of a, a neat way of at least keeping it fresh and changing it up a little bit mm-hmm. um it did have some nice character moments uh you know you got james gregory is captain quill uh you've got mary wicks who i love uh she has a mm-hmm. great scene with carl of course dick van patten uh monique marmelstein's back uh, yes to uh annoy the crap out of Carl and uh, <laughs> uh, Gordy's back Gordy the ghoul and uh, he's got another numbers game I think going and uh, <laughs> yes. uh, but also uh, you know you've got uh, Uncle Leo is a cop yes yes <laughs> he's instantly recognizable by the way uh, mm-hmm. and um, the great Fritz Feld is the waiter um, serving Vincenzo his lunch I mean he didn't do his signature yes. thing <laughs> yeah. And uh, but you know it, he, Tony's eating this great fancy meal that the uh, the rival uh, news service owner sent him because it's the World Series with the Cubs. <laughs> yeah. um, yes, that's... and the whole time Carl's like, oh, uh, enjoy your meal. Uh, let me tell you about like the the bone marrow that was sucked out of these bodies and, <laughs> and left this goo on the ground. <laughs> And Vincenzo is doing his best. Vincenzo is doing his best to not be disturbed by yeah, it. Yeah, and then finally, but Carl is really going for it. The waiter gives him the last, uh, oh. the last uh, meal, part of the meal, and he's like, "Well, what is this?" He's like, "Oh, it's brains." <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a fun scene. There's a, yeah, it's it's a weird episode because I alternately, like I said, when I start watching, I really love it. But then I'm disappointed slightly. But I understand why I'm disappointed in the end. But there's so much going on in it that there are points when the episode seems like it's about two hours long. I don't know why that is. Maybe it would have been it better just, if it was. Possibly. The, uh, w- w- wasn't there supposed to be like a like a third movie? That, yes. Did that have aliens in it? Am I making that up? Yeah, there was a, a third one. I think, what was it supposed to be called? Was it The Night Hunters? That sounds good. Um, I'd and watch it that. Took place in Hawaii or something. Yes. And yes. I believe didn't they? Uh, I They're think clo- that I'm was there. that was aliens. I believe it was supposed to be. See, see, I, 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 I think to me that's why I think that this is like the first part of something that would have been developed later. Because think about it, like if if like in the second season you get an episode where something starts off and it it seems like it's one supernatural thing or one sort of weird thing and then like maybe like as as maybe we're like a half an hour into the episode or something like that and Carl thinks he's pursuing the Wendigo. I don't know what Carl is after. I'm just threw <laughs> that one out there. Um, and then all of a sudden, like he hears like a medical examiner say, "Yep, and this is weird. All the bone marrow was gone." And then and Carl kind of looks up like, "What? This isn't the Wendigo. I know what that is." And then suddenly, 
things that we saw in the first half that maybe didn't make sense yet begin to tie back to this episode and then it becomes about like um this this force returning or 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 something else happening supernatural uh, I'm, I'm sorry extraterrestrial um but but it really does this episode really does feel to me like and again i'm making this up but it feels like the first part in something that would have been expanded upon later yeah oh the, the third movie is called the night killers Killer. And it was okay. supposedly about uh, people being replaced in high places by androids. So it's got kind of, oh. you know, like a Westworld kind of feel to it yes. going on okay. there. Um, and yeah, mm. I I would have liked to have seen that, actually. I think that would have been kind of mm. cool. But um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, you know, I, I think this this has a lot of great elements, like I said. I mean, the, the guest stars are great. There's a couple of nice little character moments. I love that UFO uh group or ufo society yeah they're fun that's, that's fun a fun scene, yeah. scene with carl and um but i i think the pacing of it is is kind of slack and strange and the ending yeah. is just you 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 know and the, you see it take off and you're like oh that's it he didn't yeah. do anything yeah, there is a, <laughs> carl didn't there, do yeah anything. there is a yes exactly yeah there is a bit of a feeling like um am i did i did i look away that's like, what did I miss? Yeah. Like it feel it feels like there's something missing. It feels missing. like they kind of got to the end of the episode, didn't know what to do. That could be it. It it feels like possibly they got to the end of the episode and it was like, so do we have Carl? Like, is it close encounters? Is he gonna? Is it time to meet the aliens or do we just leave him kind of like, what just happened or? And and they they kind of go for a spot where it's like, it's it's funny. I I never I I don't think I end the episode when I watch it, and I just watched it twice over the past couple of days, and I probably watched it at least four times previously. I don't come away disappointed from it, but I come away not being actually I come away from it not remembering it mm. for some reason. Whenever I return to it, I'm always surprised. At things that happen, so maybe I don't know what that means, though. I um, uh, because I certainly remember the Ripper, I remember the zombie, but this one when I get to the end to it, it's like when they're in the planetarium, it's almost a surprise. Yeah. Uh, that that they're like, wow, why is that episode? And then you think, wait a minute, did the government put something in the episode that made me forget? <gasps> That's something to think about, folks. <laughs> But I, honestly, honestly, I think I think it could be what you said. Like they, I didn't. I don't think they quite knew how to end it. Do maybe and and they just maybe did not have the budget for full on spaceship lands. Yeah, you know and, the aliens arrive, so they kept it so vague, but they just kept it a little too vague. Well, and also the you know much like if you remember that movie, um, what was it uh, being from another planet? The character oh, yes, is yes. not a villain. The, the alien no. is not a villain. No, yes. He's just trying to get stuff to be able to repair his ship and leave. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and so people people don't under people don't understand what's happening are kind of getting in his way, as it were. Right. Kind of. So you know, I mean, even at that point, I guess you're like, well, I mean, d does Carl really need to kill him uh, or it? Yes. Or I don't know. Yes. And that's and I think that's the problem is it just you didn't have enough of a strong enough of an adversary for him. In the end, you 
if you you can keep it you can keep it vague and it can work, but this was just a little too vague. This was just a little too yeah. what what are you doing in the end here? Especially like I said, after they they pull together all this information, and you hope that the ending will be a moment where like there's a there's a moment of contact. Mm-hmm. That's that's um that's um that, that that sort of means something. Instead, the the ending is the ending is probably what it actually is: an alien who 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 crashed on our planet and who's terrified and who's doing whatever he she it they whatever needs to do to get off the planet, who comes up against the most dogged reporter that Chicago has, and he's going after this alien, and the alien just wants to get out of there, and Kolchak just wants to get a story. And and in the end, the alien may get out of there, and Kolchak doesn't get a story, and that leaves us kind of standing there going like, gosh, I, I wish there had been a moment. Or maybe like the alien, maybe the alien looked like Vin, turned into Vincenzo or something. <laughs> it was like, Carl, I just want to talk to you for a moment. What are you doing here? Yeah, it's, it's, I just want to tell you what's going on. You know, and that would have cost them nothing. Yeah. They, well, I mean, they, Simon Oakland's salary. What they for, really could have done is they could have had like, you know, like extremely bright, 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 bright light. And having Carl like being blinded by it, and then have like a silhouette oh, or yes, something with the light then, behind it, and you don't even have to have any like sound, and have Carl like get this look of like and kind of nod like understanding like what it's saying to him and yes. everything, and then he could say to the cops like leave it leave it alone, you know like just move back and whatever and let it do whatever. <sighs> and, but they you know they didn't do that, and I know that they those shows were shot I think like in eleven days. Yes. Their schedule is very tight, so maybe they just didn't have the the time for that for that setup. I don't know. Mm. I I do love the concept, and then I'll stop Gavin because I could I think we could go about <laughs> what we think the ending should be for another yeah. hour. But I I just I just like the concept that at, the, at this time period in television, where like you know you 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 generally got very you there there weren't there wasn't a lot of ambiguity at the end of things. Things ended, and then you went on to the next thing. I love the fact here that it starts off and it's like, could it be an alien? And then it builds and builds and builds. And then it gets to the point where you're like, you're going to, they're going to open the door and the aliens on the other side. But for some reason they don't open the door and you're just like, ah, and then it ends. And you're like, what? Ooh, ah, <laughs> that's so weird that that happens. And it's just, it's such a, it's such an odd I mean, especially in a show where the last episode is zombie. Then you had Jack the Ripper. Then you had this immortal guy. Then you had a vampire. To have an episode where the 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 writers, the directors, whoever, will not give you an ending is weird. Um, and maybe maybe uh, if the show had gone on for eight years in our alternate dimension, would have been something that everyone would have looked back at this episode, you know, at the end of eight seasons and gone, the first season was great, but it was the end of that third episode that really got the show to expand, you know, or some, you know what I mean? Like something like the way they did that meant they were able to not have to be as concrete at the ending, but we watch it now and it's like, what the heck? What are you doing? Come on. But, uh, so, so that's, that's enough of my yakking. Tim, do you have anything else on this one? Uh, no, I guess the only thing I would say is they can't all be winners. 
<laughs> exactly. And I, and I think if you're going to have an episode that's a bit of a dud, God bless America, make it, do it like this. Make make it where you sit there watching it, going, "What are you doing?" <laughs> even if you're not, if you even if you're not enthralled by it. I mean, I like you said, it's not the most, it's not the punchiest of episodes. It kind of goes from segment to segment almost. But um, at the at the end, if you're going to if you're going to have a dud, at least make it an intelligent dud. Don't be dumb about it. And I think this is an intelligent. Not quite a dud, I don't think, but an intelligent, slight misstep. Yeah, it, it, at least and, it has some moments, you know. Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, there's something going on. It's just no one. Maybe, maybe Rudolph Bochert had to have his appendix removed or something before he could finish the draft, <laughs> or something like that. It's like he didn't end it. No, we got to shoot it now. You know, I don't know, but it's just, it's just a little weird. But I'll stop yakking now. So, Tim, where can we find you online? Uh, well, uh, I'm a co-host with uh, Kelly Hogaboom of Beauty, the Beast, and the Bees, a, a B-movie genre film podcast. Uh, I think by the time that this comes out, we'll be covering uh, The Dark and the Wicked, Revenge, and The Stepfather, a great oh. 80s uh, Yeah thriller I, I i a lot of people say it's a yes. slasher i don't really find it to be a slasher but it, it's, it's a great great film anyway uh and uh you can find us uh itunes soundcloud uh we have a facebook page twitter feed and of course instagram and uh you know stop on by and join us Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, and, and I, I do recommend the show. I mean, I always think when I get to the end of one of your episodes, I always think they have been, they are, they will be. <laughs> God, I hope so. <laughs> so that was uh, that was the third episode of Kolchak, and it, um, again, as with with the zombie, it shows that they have more uh, more up their sleeve. It also shows that they may not always get it right, but that's the kind of stuff that happens. I mean. You know, I'm going to sign off on this chat with Tim right now. For all I know, I'm going to step out the door, fall over. Oh, or I may step out the door and walk through my house just fine. I don't know. You know, sometimes sometimes it goes well, sometimes it goes wrong, and you don't always know why it goes wrong. I think, uh, uh, to me, a fascinating, mis- not misstep, but a fascinating, uh-uh, like this episode, is better than a dud. So I would say, let's go on. What is next? The vampire is next, yes. right? Oh my gosh. Okay. So um we're to sign off here and uh next time we will join up uh uh join you all and for the vampire. Yeah. Bump bump. That was episode one eleven, everyone. I hope you enjoyed. I hope you liked my little Ellery Queen bump bump there. I misplaced the uh cue that I used, so I had to do that myself. That was my interpretation of the Ellery Queen link theme that we use a lot on here. How are you? I hope you enjoyed the episode. Yeah, next time we'll have some more uh, search, uh, getting in the getting the latter half of apes and vampire time over on Co- another vampire actually. So uh, thank you again, everyone, for listening. What online? What is it? At e supertrain one on Twitter. Eventually supertrainer. That's a group name on Facebook. Uh, Danny Slacks D A N N Y S L A C K S at yahoo.com. And eventually uh, com is the site. You can go on there. You can put some comments. You can do whatever the hell you like. Go crazy. 
go crazy why not and uh yeah next time uh the uh the chats continue and i hope you're all enjoying them i think we got a good uh, good brace of hosts going here and uh be good to yourself and i will talk to you next time episode 112 